Hi there. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Brent Kaysen. My guest today is designer and drummer Jordan Butcher. We crossed paths over the years while I was touring. I had seen his name a lot as the artist who designed Art for Friends records and other albums I really enjoyed, Under Oath, Amberlynn, Thrice, Caspian, among many others. He's been the touring drummer for Copeland since they returned from hiatus. We talk about tooth and nail bands, how he ended up working for that label that shaped his earlier years, independent versus corporate design work, his journey from a small town in the south all the way up to Seattle. We cover a lot uh, while he takes his morning walk, which is such a Jordan Butcher thing to do. Hope you enjoy. What's up, man? Coming all the way from uh, from Seattle. Good morning to you. Good morning. You you <laughs> you surprised me and wanted to arrange this uh, at uh, you know eight thirty a.m. your time, and I was like, let's oh, let's yeah, go for, let's go for it. You're the morning guy. I uh, I don't know. I I uh, I get up at like between six and six thirty now. Just naturally, I'm getting old. Okay. Yeah, I feel you. I was listening. Uh, I realized I listened to it the other day, but I was I was listening to that the one you did with uh, Bill Powers, just because I oh, yeah, really yeah. want to double down on everything. And uh, and you did that one around the same time too. And I just kind of was dying oh, laughing yeah. on my couch yesterday. Like, yeah, that guy's he's all up into those morning jams. How's, yeah, dude. Uh, I got to bed at I got to bed at like nine o'clock. So. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Hell yeah. Why not? What uh. <clears throat> Dude, I'm uh, I'm missing Seattle. It was weird because I had a like eight year break when I was off the road. So obviously, right. when I came back, uh, a lot had changed, of course. And you've been there for pushing. Is it like fifteen ish years? Uh, actually, it's maybe more. I think I I think last year was my fifteen year. Okay. So yeah. This August, this August will be sixteen. Okay. Wow. Yeah, because yeah. I've been uh, I've been here for. Uh, a couple months will be nine, but uh, yeah, I, I I definitely feel what uh, Death Cab is saying in that Gold Rush because that's pretty much Chicago oh, yeah. as well at the time. But I know you post a lot about uh, the businesses that are kind of going over and getting uh, you know rented out, getting kind of struck down. So that's it's a huge bummer. Uh, I mean, where you guys played when you played that Copeland show at Double Door. Uh, oh yeah, that's gone now, right? I- iconic venue, legendary, twenty-five years. I mean, Rolling Stones would play secret shows there, and it is a Yeti cooler store now. Yeah, we. Uh, I'm. I don't know if it's true, but we heard that we were the last or one of the last shows. Oh wow! At that spot. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't doubt it. Because I remember we were like looking at some stuff in the venue and i was like didn't this wasn't there something here and the guy was like oh yeah they're like starting to tear it down so oh, um dang <clears throat> yeah that i especially there's like three three shows on that tour or something like that that we were the last or one of the last shows the same with uh um atlanta the place oh uh did you do uh, the old masquerade oh yeah Before yeah the original maybe? masquerade 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We were the, one of the last shows for that okay. too. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'll always miss the uh, carting the gear up that sketchy <laughs> cart elevator. <laughs> sketchy. It literally was just a uh, like a box on a rope, a pull, a pulley yeah. that just got pulled up to the second floor. Yeah. Oh man! Just thousands it's... and thousands of dollars in gear <laughs> just swinging in the wind. <laughs> What's wild is I lived in Atlanta for five years, literally from maybe right when I turned 21. Uh, so all those early 20s. And, dude, I went to so many shows there, but also oh, going, sure. going to hang out with friends, loading gear. And you're exactly right. You're you're just hoping that chain or that rope today is not its last day because you're going to be oh, yeah. for Yeah. Dude. So, I mean, you've done a... A lot of work. You've worked on a lot of album art for some of my favorite bands, our friends. Uh, I know a lot of my friends' favorite bands. Uh, you do a lot of branding and logo artwork in a somewhat corporate world. Uh, you kind of run the whole gamut. You also play drums. So we'll uh, we'll touch on that, all of that at some point. You and I are, are similar in a few ways because we grew up in, in the South. I was born in Atlanta. <coughs> And uh, yep. only lived in Georgia and Florida until I moved here. So, True. yeah. So, you know, Florida isn't "quote unquote" really the South, but um, I mean, in, in some respects, I mean, it's worse. It's worse. But I'll yeah. I've lived oh, there yeah. half my life. I'll hate on it. I don't care. It's uh, it's like it's like a bizarro South sort of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is the that is a, it's an alternate universe south. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were in, uh, you did West Virginia growing up, right? I did, yeah, until yeah. I was nineteen or something like that. Okay, is there a? I'm trying to look it up. Isn't there a? Uh, is there like a Shepherdstown or something there? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah okay, I I've got actually, I've got a buddy uh, or two that live there. My uh, my lady and I have been seriously considering moving to Shepherdstown like oh wow okay yeah my um, like 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 we've looked at like we've looked at buying houses and stuff <laughs> okay okay nice it's, uh, it's it it's because it's like it's like 40 minutes from DC so it's like the DC center yeah you can you can be places you want to be pretty quickly but still have yeah, your, I'm, have I'm your off, nature I'm off, yeah i'm off the grid but i can go to a nice restaurant you know <laughs> is, i feel like that is your that's your thing. That's what you need. It's like, like yeah, you need the mountains and streams and rivers to fish, but you also need to go to a nice restaurant. Yeah, that's have my ideal, man. Dude, I love yeah. it. I love it. What? Um, so you grew up in that world. I also uh, realized, I think I knew this before and totally forgot about it. So my dad is a pastor, uh, right. grew up in that, but it was Assemblies of God, which is what you grew up in, Oof. which oh, is... Yeah. A lot. I'll fuck you up for a long time. <laughs> we won't. Yeah, we won't unpack it all. But uh, that's <laughs> we'll leave that for the professionals. Yeah. Uh, well, there's what? there's plenty of that going around too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, big yeah, big time. Even in the last uh, the last month or less, even someone that's a f- kind of a family friend, um, a lot of shit coming out on. Uh, oh so yeah. So that's that's pretty wild, but also at the same time not surprising. What? Uh, I mean, were your parents pretty, pretty strict? Like, what did you grow up listening oh, yeah. to, or when I did mean, you get into, um, <clears throat> I don't know, rock, punk, everything we listen to now? Yeah, my my parents divorced when I was really young, and my dad sort of stopped 
going to going to church. So, but we we would go with him every other weekend. You know, that was the the court gotcha. ordered deal. Gotcha. And uh, so he, you know, he introduced me. He listened to, you know, Paul Simon and a lot of this old like. Um, he loves like uh, you know old folk music and stuff. So gotcha. You know, he was always kind of playing that stuff, and then um, in my house where I like, you know, we lived full time with my mom. She was super, still super into the into the church and assemblies of God, and you know, we went to church Sundays and Monday and Wednesdays. Yeah, oh yeah, and uh, and sometimes <clears> several <throat> times on Sunday, which is just oh yeah, twice absurd looking back and, on. <laughs> morning and evening, oh, um, and we weren't allowed to listen to anything that was you know, not, uh, yeah. bought at the Christian bookstore. Yeah, no, same. You know, we, I, uh, I remember the first, we had uh, a, Oh, what were we going to say? Tully's, Tully's Bible bookstore. That was the name of it. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess true too, out there you had the smaller ones, which I think, yeah, when I, when we, I definitely lived in some smaller towns too, and you had the independent ones. And then at some point you kind of lived near the suburbs and you had Lifeway and, Oh uh, yeah. Family See, I, I didn't, that, I didn't yeah. go to a, I didn't go to a Lifeway or a family until yeah. uh, I moved to Seattle. Okay. And I I went in as a joke because I was like I hadn't been in a <laughs> Christian bookstore in years. Yeah. Uh, but all that all that to say, like, you know, <clears throat> my dad would play. He would let us listen to whatever. And I think it was like alternative radio that really got me like adult. <laughs> like I think it's called Hot AC now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, but it, you know, it's like Third Eye Blind and Eve Six and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, is where it started. Nice. And and once I found that, then you know, I was looking at the the Bible bookstore for, you know, they would have those posters up that were like, if you like this band, try this band. Oh yeah. yeah. If you ever and, saw and, those, you know. Oh for sure. And looking back, some of them were on, and some of them were just way, just way out there. Oh yeah, it was like oh. if you like. <laughs> If you like third eye blind, check out POD. <laughs> exactly. Like, That's not happening. Fucking out of your mind. Dude, oh, but I then, know. Well, the more know, too then, I listened to a lot of that afterwards, you you started realizing who all those bands listened to. Oh, right. You know, you exactly. were just like, oh, Small Town Poets was totally just gin blossoms for Jesus. Right, right. Um, yeah. And so you can kind of see their influences, you know, big time. Right. Um, but yeah, those posters right. were hilarious. Yeah. Uh, did you, so I, would uh, always, I would always look for like that stuff, but, but some lady at our church, um, she had a son that was a little older, uh, and she had bought him an MXPX cassette. Um, nice. I think un, unsolicited, like she just, somebody told her that he might like it or whatever. And he ended up not liking it. And she walked up to me at a service and was like, your parents tell me that you like, Rock music, like, because I was at the time I was listening to like the heaviest thing I heard was like Jeff Moore in the distance. Yes, you know, yes, like, dude. That was yes. like the only stuff I had, <laughs> I had access to. And yeah. she handed me this MXPX cassette. I'm pretty sure it was Life in General. And I went home and tried it. And that was kind of the, I mean, that was the pivotal moment for oh. the rest of my life. Like, took that turn right, right then and there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think my, uh, and then I found out. You know, I got old enough to find out you could request that the Bible bookstore bring things in. So, you know, I just went through the liner notes and oh. asked them to, like, they think, you know, Fire and Frenzy and all this stuff. And I was just like, get me all of this stuff. So then they started order special ordering things. Oh, and that was it, you know. 
um, yeah. it kind of went from there. And then, then once I got a job and was out of the, actually out of the house and was getting a paycheck, I started buying rancid records and, and of all that stuff and hiding it under my bed. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> there were a few, a few occasions where stuff was found and I was made to cut it up over the trash can. <laughs> oh yeah. no. You're like, this is, oh, this yeah. is my hard earned money. I didn't work it. Oh yeah. I don't know. Oh man. And Subway or the retail shop for nothing. Yeah. Stuff that's so out of print that if I still had, I'd be sitting on pretty nice <laughs> oh, amounts no. of money. All right. Like, I don't know if you remember those cinema beer nuts compilations. I don't know who did them. I think maybe, uh, know. hopeless, hopeless okay. did them or epitaph or somebody. Yeah. And they were like, uh, they were CDs that uh, came with the DVD of the the same songs that were on the CD was on the you know music videos on a DVD, and oh, okay. they were wrapped they were wrapped in like cellophane like nut packaging, and some of them actually came with like little packs of nuts. Like oh wow, and yeah, and I had all the original packaging and like all, saved all that stuff, and all of that's gone. You know, it was like my friend Matt, who's a similar to similar to. You, he, his, his dad's a pastor and his son was a God system. And he, we, he wasn't allowed to listen to stuff either. So when we, you know, when he got a car and I had a job, we would peruse the record store at the mall and oh, nice. we'd, we'd find these records that looked cool. <clears throat> and then we would split the cost of it. And one of us would take the artwork and the other would take the CD and then we would switch. So oh, like, that is so like, sick. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, you give me three bucks, I'll give you three bucks. We'll buy this six dollar some forty one CD. You take the packaging, and I'll listen to it, and then we'll swap. Next switch week, we'll off, swap you know? it. Swap it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we, you know, we would do. We would like figure out the aesthetic of what the records looked like because we didn't know the band. There's no internet, you know, and we're oh, in yeah. West Virginia, so shows shows aren't happening. Yeah. And even if they were happening, we were only allowed to go to half of them. So it was like. You know, uh, b- bands would come through and it'd be, uh, you know, that was the thing is like tooth and nail bands would come, furthest things forever would come through. They'd be the only band on the bill that I was allowed to listen to, but I could go to the show because they were on the bill. So it was like, oh, nice. <clears throat> yeah. So, so only half the shows I got to go see. <clears throat> and when the one I did, you know, we would look at, you know, we would look at the aesthetic of other bands and we would go through the record store and be like, yeah, that looks punk. That looks punk. But then I also found a lot of, we, you know, we would buy stuff not knowing what it was. And I bought like a bad plus CD and I, that kind of got me into jazz because it was like, I, oh, wow. I bought this record and I was like, this looks like one of the bands I like. Yeah. So you put it on, you put it on not knowing what it is. And you're like, Oh, this is fucking jazz. And then you, it's like, well, I bought it. So I'm going to listen to it. And then I listened to it and be like, this is incredible. <laughs> <clears throat> what else? <clears throat> so that just kind of led me down like seven different roads and I, all the while hiding it from my parents, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Oh, dang. if I got it really into a band and they found it, I would tell them that they were Catholic. <laughs> oh man, no, nice, like, uh, nice roundabout. Wait, yeah, I really, I really need Catholic. to keep this in the collection. They're Catholic, <clears throat> mom and dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, when I bought my first uh, tape player, uh, put it on layaway yet like Kmart. I'm sure. Uh, you know, my dad told me they would take it away if they found anything in it that you know oh, yeah. wasn't Christian. So of course there were all the um, the Jeff Moore's, the Stephen Curtis Chapman tapes, uh, and then and then it branched to the you know the DC Talk Newsboys. But yeah, I think my oh, yeah. my turning point, like you mentioned, yours was I had actually gone to, I think it was Newsboys when they did that Dome tour. 
um, which looking oh, yeah. back was insane. You realized how much they were raking in when you could do two separate oh, I domes. Was in a, and yeah, and I was in a band that played played one of those. Oh, really? Local opener. Yeah, so, Festival Condios, dude. Dude, yes, that's. <laughs> It was funny as I was just Googling that recently because I was hanging with some buddies that didn't go or didn't remember it. And I was like, dude, you guys got to see pictures of this. But I think it was that tour. Actually, it no, 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 no. It could have been. Nope, it wasn't that one because it was actually at uh, at a college arena. But Plank Eye opened. And that was oh, nice. my I think the next day I went and bought Commonwealth. And it was like, all right, yes, oh, yeah. this is no this is it. No turning back now. And that was kind of my dive into the uh, I mean, tooth and nail. Got it started obviously uh that's the funny thing is 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 tooth and nail you know and i worked there so and there's you know brandon's still a a buddy i think i could say this with confidence that you know when he started it like you were talking about oh you realize small town poets is gin blossoms but you know yeah yeah. tooth and nail start when when tooth and nail started it was not that like he was just signing and it's like frodis wasn't a christian band when they were on tooth and nail you know I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, no, um, for sure. So, like, it didn't start out that way. I think when EMI bought it, it became that. So you had—that's yeah. when you had like Jeremy Camp, who's a great dude, but yeah, you yeah. know, he's just—he's active rock for for Christian yeah, kids. For, you know, oh, that's, that's, yeah, most definitely. You know, Cutlass and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. It didn't start out that way. It definitely grew into that. But that's the thing—is like you listen to those old living sacrifice records and stuff. It's like, yo, living sacrifice is a good metal band. Like yeah, they're not on, they're on not, its own. They're not the, yeah, right. They're not a good Christian version of, you know, Metallica or whatever. They're like, yeah. they crush, <clears throat> you know, for sure. I think, uh, my plank. I was another one, you know, they were, they were one of those bands that was just like, this is a great band. <laughs> yeah, de- no, definitely. I, uh, I think one of the, the main band that I, hate didn't do more and i think one of the dudes went on to be in a few other uh mainstream bands was uh i love that driver eight record Watermelon. oh dude it's so good it's so yeah. good but uh yeah i had heard he was in still, fastball still maybe holds up too. um it, it does yeah. that's definitely one of those you can listen back and just go yeah that was there's a few of those bands like the guy from driver eight was in fastball and then um one of the one of the original guys from protus who was only on did like one tour, one record or something. I'm pretty sure he he went on to be in that band that that has all the the one take music videos that everybody loves. Oh, okay, okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I want to say it's it's I want to say fun, but it's not fun. That's Nate Ruth. Yeah, no, yes, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I can't fuck. I can't remember that band. Anyway, there's a lot of that. You know, one yeah. of the guys from Value Pack is in Lincoln Park. It's just yeah. Like, oh, it was uh, it was Tasty Snacks. Tasty it's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I did love Value Pack. Yeah, Goaty Hook, all that. Um, yeah. So did the so the 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 swapping of the the splitting of the artwork, album art, and uh, and the music is that where a lot of the interest in art started taking in, or had it already for sure been there? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I think I had a inclination toward that already, but that definitely, you know, I would always volunteer to take the artwork first. um there was just i think that that the experience of unwrapping a a cd and putting it on and smelling the ink on the paper and like flipping through the pages and reading the lyrics along that just had like a insane impact on my head like i just 
I couldn't imagine. I still can't imagine any other like better experience with media. You know, it's like, yeah, I love, I love going to movie theater, but there's something about, you know, unwrapping an LP and putting it on the table and like opening the gatefold. And, you know, it's just like, what a cool experience. Oh, certainly. Uh, so yeah, I had done, I had sketched around when I was younger. I think that was like one of my bigger regrets. I was, uh, I thought I was into architecture and then when I realized how much math would go into it, I was like, mm, never, never mind. Uh, yeah. but I, uh, yeah, you know, looking back, I probably should have kept, kept going. I've still got moms kept, you know, all the sketchbooks and stuff I had as a kid, but what, uh, you obviously decided to make that a, a career path and where did, like, where did that come in? Cause I know you, you went to school and I've, I feel like I've seen you say that it's not the best option, but then I've also uh, seen you. You do some really good, like, ask me any things occasionally on your Instagram account, yeah, which yeah. is a rad idea uh, for feedback. And so I also feel like I've seen you say that fully skipping out isn't the best because maybe you don't have the, like, is it maybe like the peer review and feedback, et cetera, as opposed to oh, you yeah. just kind well, of doing work it's... on your own. So I didn't know where you stood with you know, schooling and what was your experience like for? Yeah, I think, um, I think for a long time I was angry because school, I got pretty fucked over pretty well with school, still paying it off, you know, 20 years later. Um, but what I, what I've come to realize is my issue isn't with schooling. It's with for-profit schools. Oh Um, yeah. So, so like I, you know, as I've gotten older, I got into, you know, Savannah College of Art and Design, and I had always wanted to apply to Yale, um, which has a crazy design school. And, you know, I was working professionally when I was in high school already. Like, I was doing local advertising for newspapers and stuff in high school. So I had the portfolio that I probably could have gotten into some of those places. I did get into SCAD and couldn't afford it. And I, I got scared by that. You know, when you're 17 years old and you'd never left rural West Virginia and you're like, okay, I might be going to college next year in freaking Savannah, Georgia that I've never even been to. Um, it's, it was a scary proposition for me. So I, I opted to go to a, a school in West Virginia called international Academy of art design and technology. And it's basically, it was a, I think they're out of business now, but it was a chain for profit school, just like the art Institute or, full sale or any of those schools and they're they aren't they're they're not education focused they're focused on making money so you know they tout this placement rate that's just utter bullshit it's like i've done the i've done the research and went on linkedin and stuff and facebook and went in these groups that are made for alumni of these schools and i've talk to a lot of my graduating class and of the like 60 or 70 people that I graduated with me and one other person are doing design or anything creative. Oh my God. Uh, You know, one of them was like, I I thought another one popped up. It was like somebody you follow on LinkedIn started a new position at uh, Claire's like, or the, or like one of those retail companies. And I was like, Oh sick. Somebody got an in-house job and I clicked it and it's like, Nope, they're retail manager. Oh, oh man. like, 
so my beef with schooling my beef with schooling that's where that comes from you know and i do i still regret going i shouldn't have i'm 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 one of those few people in our in my field that i like i knew what i wanted to do from a young age and i had the drive to do it so i was going to do it whether i went to school or not Um, yeah uh sorry i'm out of breath i'm like walking up these crazy hills it's all good um and a lot of people don't have that so that's where schooling can be good but i regret not going to a four-year school like granted had i gone to a four-year school i wouldn't be here i would never have got my the job tooth and nail and the yeah. album packaging and all that kind of because i was still in school when i was doing that stuff so gotcha um it's a double-edged sword but i you know it started really young for me i get interested in album packaging and i would doodle notebooks like in notebooks and i got like kids at school would pay me like in uh betty crock or betty betty whatever cakes what are those called betty uh oh, lo- oh little debbie little, cakes little, little, little debbie cakes yeah. yeah to doodle to doodle logos <laughs> you know somebody awesome. would be like we had you know we had to carry these planners that's at our school yeah and they we'd they'd be like can you doodle like a nike bubble letter logo in my planner and i'll give you my lunch cake or whatever it was like yeah, yeah. So when my mom saw me doing that stuff, she was like, oh, you should be a graphic designer. And I was like, okay. And I just did it. It was not like, wow. It just kind of connected to me. So, yeah. so since I was a little kid, I was like working toward doing this stuff. Um, and I just, so there's, as I've gotten older, like people that don't have the drive, I just, I get pissed off at those schools that prey on people like that because they don't, you know, if you're going to go to SCAD or Yale or Parsons or RISD, you have that drive, but those aren't schools you're trying to get into if you're not sure what you want to do. Yeah. Um, but Art Institute and Full Sail and those schools definitely prey on people that are like, yeah, I want to dabble in re- in recording or whatever. It's yeah. like, yeah. or I want to, I want to learn how to use a camera. And it's like, they're like, <laughs> okay, give me 60 grand yeah. and I'll teach oh you how to God. use a camera. But, you know, and then but then the parents want that because they assume that's going to be the best like return right. on whatever investment or debt they're going into. Uh, right. Which I exactly. think is finally starting to change. I think a lot of the American society is starting to realize that most of the for profit schools can be a big rip off. Oh, I hope so. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. Um, <clears throat> what did you. Uh, yes. Yeah, so you ended up doing obviously Seattle and you went. If I remember, you went pretty, pretty soon after graduating, didn't you? Oh, like uh, three weeks. Yeah. Like literally, I Jeez. I walked at graduation and started packing my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, how did you get in with Brandon, Tooth and Nail, etc.? Which is a huge full I mean, circle was, for you because that's what you kind of grew up right. on as a teenager. I mean, that was that was the goal always. Like I, my the reason I moved to Seattle was to maybe get a job in the mailroom at Tooth and Nail at some point. Um, oh man! And I had through Don and Ryan Clark at Asterix Studio, who was doing a lot of the almost all the packaging for yeah. I started Tooth to the time. yeah yeah. I started to say because they weren't necessarily in-house but they were responsible for well easily they sort of were were they okay ryan ryan was the art director at tooth and nail he was part of asterisk studio okay. and then asterisk studio's office was in the basement at tooth and nail oh um, gotcha okay 
so it was it was a really interconnected kind of thing and they kind of took it over from chris mccadden and Susie splat and all these people that had been there previous um and i had emailed them and said you know i'm planning to move to seattle after graduation would love to you know intern and you know that didn't work out i ended up getting an internship at another place that did a lot of work for tooth and nail but in the interim i had gone to a demon hunter show in pittsburgh which is the clark brothers yeah, band. band yeah and greg Lutzi, who was part of asterisk studio now owns visco um he was running merch for them and we struck up a conversation and he gave me his number and was like, dude, it sounds like you're moving. Like hit me up when you're here. Like, let's hang out. And I was like, okay. So I hit him up when I came here, I ended up living with him. Um, and, uh, Ryan Clark, who was the art director to the nail had this employee, Brad, who had moved out from Memphis or Nashville. I can't remember which one he was leaving. He got a job at CMT, I think in house. Um, and he was leaving and Ryan was like, you know, I'd met Ryan a couple of times through Greg at that point. And Ryan was like, yeah, I need somebody. And I started. So within a year of moving here, I had started at do the mail and he, he hired me on as a, just as he was handling all the packaging. So I was just there to do banner ads and t-shirts and okay, junk yeah. like that. You know, yeah, yeah. I was never meant to do packaging. And I think maybe six months into me being there, he, they were re-releasing, uh, shoot, something from that label Five Minute Walk. Like they were. Oh, okay, yeah, that's what had, Five Iron was on and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Tooth and Nail had bought the rights to something, or I, I don't really know how it worked. And they were repressing the record with the Tooth and Nail logo. And Ryan was like, "I need you to take these files, rebuild them in our templates, put our logo on it, make a couple of these changes." Well, I did that. I did it super fast and he liked it and he was like, Oh, well, I guess maybe I can hand some of these compilation packages to you. Like you can do those. And I started doing those. And then it was like, here's this cutlass worship record that I don't want anything to do with. Like, will you, will you do the packaging? Yeah. And I did that and it, it went really well and got nominated for a dove award. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, nice. <clears throat> hell yeah, dude. Dude, I, I like went, I went, to... I went to the Dove Awards in about I think '98. Oh, oh so my bad. God, that's oh. a whole different story. That's next level, bad. that was, I mean, that was. But a I, I, have, I have like 22 Dove Award nominations. Or something. Oh my like gosh! Every well, everything that we did at Dove Nail would get nominated for the Dove. Um, yeah. So that then, then that just grew into like me doing half of the packaging. Like it okay. just started right then. So, um, and then, you know. The music industry crashed. Get the hell out of there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you did. Uh, so I know if we, while you were there, you did probably what maybe half of Amberlynn's records, um, the Under Oath stuff. Well, speaking of, yeah, I mean, Under Oath was a no-brainer because they were into, you know, all the bands that I was into, Isis and Neurosis, all that stuff. Yeah, and they wanted that that aesthetic, and Ryan you know had been into that stuff in the 90s and was kind of over it and yeah. he was just like yeah they want this kind of aesthetic and so that that spitballed the, the under oath connection but amberlynn was funny because i didn't do any of their work when they were on the label oh they, never mind that's right it was it was all after i just for some reason yeah so uh, yeah after they left i was doing freelance the whole time at 
she's in hell to supplement my income. And they hit up Ryan about doing New Surrender, and he was on tour, didn't have time because they had New Surrender was being done in house by Universal, and it was so bad. Okay. Um, they were like, Ryan, can you come bail us out? Like, basically fix it's due like Friday. And he was on tour, and he was like, I can't, but Jordan can. So they put me in touch with Nate, and then that was that. Yeah. I've done everything everything after that so yeah so it's the basically uh, the back back half of the catalog pretty much i think yeah and uh, everything after uh cities i did yeah yeah exactly yeah okay and then speaking of nominations you have a uh you have a grammy nomination right for that lost in the sound of yep, separation for... yep nice yep. i uh kind of insane yeah uh a lot of the thrice stuff uh i love i love the new caspian one that you did oh thanks that man. on circles yeah, we're hoping super, super dope we're hoping for a a nomination for that i just submitted it um yeah the packaging for that is you know the artwork is is cool but the what what, what we were allowed to do with the actual caper yeah um, i think i think is worth it was worth submitting because that's the kind of stuff they look for and this year i've been looking um, i'm on the committee now to to do the nominations for that award and i've been looking at stuff that's been released and all the big cool indie bands that do really crazy packaging put out records last year so oh, <laughs> i think it was okay. perfect i think it's yeah. perfect timing we, there's there's not a lot of expensive competition out there so we'll see i mean fingers crossed i would that would be nice. really cool but yeah. yeah yeah there had to have been some uh some serious coin put into that but there's obviously bands who would rather have uh, you know, that experience, the art, the packaging over, uh, for maybe, sure. maybe making the money back quicker. So, well, and that's, I mean, I, it, that's so rare these days. I mean, it almost never happens. Yeah. Um, but Fred at, at triple crown, uh, it's interesting. Like he's, he's one of the last label boss guys that I work with that. I feel like he's, he's down. Like, he's just like, yeah, let's, let's, you know, Dang. If it makes sense, let's do it. He, so he's yeah. basically like, here's the number, here's the number we need to hit retail. Like, this is how much it has to cost for people to still buy it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and exactly. anything, anything, anything per unit below that, we can kind of go hog wild. And I mean, Caspian's a big artist for him anyway. So, yeah. Um, you know, if it was some new baby band, I don't think he would be down. But yeah, um, you know, there's a couple of those guys that there are other people, Jesse and other people's like, you know, when I do the souvenir stuff, he kind of lets us do some special stuff. There's still some guys out there that do it, but for the most part, you know, even with, with artists like Noah Gunderson, you know, he's on a big UK label. They're like, they, you know, we did one kind of crazy record and the retail price was too high and it didn't sell as much as they'd like. So they put the kibosh on. They were like, nothing like we don't, we aren't even allowed to do like uncoated paper. Oh, Wow. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how, that's how it goes. I mean, it's like you, you figure out this artist's fan base is not down to pay 50 bucks for vinyl. It's like, well, then you can't, can't do a $50 package. (laughs) How did you, uh, how did you kind of foray into branding for like big, uh, big brands? I know you've got REI and Filson, Huckberry and a few others. What uh, where did that kind of come into play? Being you had largely been doing a lot of album art 
and yeah, that stuff is a little the, bit more simple, right? As far as yeah, branding, well, but yeah, simplicity, yeah, I, mean, I guess, the, is the, what I meant, not simple as an easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The corporate stuff just came out of necessity. I mean, the music industry. When I first started doing packaging as a freelancer, it's like you know I've been paid ten grand for an album package before. Um, that doesn't happen anymore. It's like yeah, no. I did even the biggest in the past. I did a Backstreet Boys record a couple years ago. And that's the biggest, one of the biggest artists of all time. And it was the, the budget for that was $4,000 and I had to pay for the photography out of that. So, oh my God. <clears throat> yeah. It just doesn't, you know, it's like, yeah, just full, full disclosure. I get for a lot of those bands that you, you're like naming that I do stuff for, I get oh, like a thousand dollars, you know, yeah, <clears throat> it's less than a grand for like, and then you have to do the CD, the LP. There's usually a Japanese version of the CD. It's like I've done some stuff where there's like six or eight, ver- you know, there's an amber, like dark is the way there's like nine versions of that out there. Um, so, and plus all the single art and the seven inches and all that kind of stuff. So I do that stuff. Honestly, the music stuff I do now, I only work with friends. Like yeah. if a new band pops up, it's like, you know, you know, if there's a new band that hits me up and, and I, there's some hype around it where I listen to it and I'm like, this is really good. Yeah. Like Dangerous Summer is a great example. You yeah. know, they hit me up a couple years ago <clears throat> to do a record. And I was like, who the fuck is this? I don't know who this is. <laughs> then I then I throw it on and I'm like, oh, this is sick. I'll do it. You know? Yeah. And now now I listen to that band all the time. But it's like it's it's such it's a, a good band. A, I slept on them back in the are. day. And um, those last two they put out and then they just put out a single. Uh, that like, single is Friday. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so. it's, they're one of those bands, and I, I would say Copeland is like this too. And speaking, of, I can say this because I'm not a member of the band. I'm just, yeah. it's unfortunate that bands like that are lumped into the scene that they're lumped into. Um, yeah. Because they don't, sure. they don't fit there. They don't fit there at all. It's like, yeah. Dangerous Summer is not a, is not a freaking pop, like, they're not really a pop, pop punk pop band. band. Exactly. No, no. Yeah. <clears throat> there's a lot, there's a lot more and, depth. And I would say Copeland is the same. Like they're not a, they're not a like Paramore's newer stuff. Obviously, is incredible and it's different. But at the time, they were lumped in with that band originally, and it didn't sound anything like that. This is not, it's not you know, yeah. they, Copeland should have been in more in the, in my opinion, in the Rainer Maria American football Chicago scene. Yeah, the mid mid Midwest than, stuff. Yeah, it's just that unfortunately totally. that stuff wasn't money makers so of course they're going to lump right, them in with right. whatever is going to sell but uh right. so bringing... uh, but that's, a, that's a side note so yeah. but where were we saying before that there was a thought so i think i was just asking how you had kind of gotten hooked up or gotten oh, into, into corporate into into corporate branding stuff. for yeah 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 so the, the music industry crashed like i was saying you know you go from making i could do four album packages a year at 10 grand a pop and that would be my year uh but now I get less than a thousand dollars for that stuff. So, yeah. and you know, a thousand dollars doesn't pay my rent a month. So yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so I can't, I only do stuff for free or cheap for friends. Like I don't, I'm not seeking that workout. So I had to supplement that and the corporate stuff came along. And for a long time, I couldn't get those jobs because my portfolio was only music. Packaging. So it took me figuring, trying to figure out how to, present my music packaging portfolio as a branding exercise because it really is like if i if i think about 
Amber Lynn, for, for example, is a, a great example. This, some of the stuff we did for Amber Lynn is like, those are the biggest branding projects I've ever worked on. Because you're talking about branding two or three years and four or 500 album dates with backdrops and merchandise and stickers and interviews. And like, there's a lot of thought that goes into that stuff. And once I was able to communicate that to big companies, they then they felt comfortable <laughs> with me doing logos oh, and yeah. that kind of stuff. But <clears throat> and now that stuff, it's like I try to do that's kind of replaced the music packaging. So now I do, you know, four or five big branding projects a year. And that's what I work on. Um, yeah. And honestly, it's it can be just as fun. And it, it's interesting because you realize how many people that grew up like me uh, are in positions at those companies now because we're all older, you know, we're 35, 40 years old. And so when they bring me in for these branding meetings, I can usually, they're like, we were looking at your portfolio and we saw you did this thrice record or whatever. It's like, so there's like, now, now there's this, we're like, we love that band. So then that gives oh, me extra yeah. cool points. And nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, because so that's what I was going to it's come full circle for me in that way. That that's cool. Yeah, because I was gonna ask what uh, they both kind of got pro and cons on. You're not making much on music, but you've got somewhat uh, free reign. I mean, within reason, but they give you some ideas. You've got a little bit more, uh, maybe artistic freedom, <clears throat> and then corporate sure. obviously only wants, you know, few small changes, a new logo, but you get a lot more money. You know, so right. I'm guessing is that kind of a, are you kind of torn between those two? Like one's maybe For more sure. enjoyable, I mean, but I've, you obviously can't make a living off of it now. Yeah, I think when I was younger, you know, I've, I've talked about this a lot with people. When I was younger, I needed everything I was working on to be cool. Like it really chapped my ass if like I had to work on something lame. And <laughs> <clears throat> now I've learned they're really like to look at something and be like, that's lame from a creative perspective. That's a problem with me. Usually like I can find something interesting in any project. Like right now I'm working on a branding project for a landscape company and okay. <clears throat> that is not fun or cool. Like it's not a cool company. It's not, they don't make cool clothes or whatever. They, they <laughs> yeah. fix people's yards. Yeah. But when I'm <clears throat> doing research about it and looking at other landscape companies and you know, thinking about what these guys do, I can reach into that and be like, actually, this could be rad. Like there, there's ways to make it interesting. And that's actually why they're coming to me. They're not coming because anybody can draw a logo. That's not like, yeah, <laughs> they're coming to me for my perspective. And I can, if I really think about it hard enough and get really into it and, and let it be, like actually in the in my head and roll yeah. around in there <clears throat> i can come up with a perspective for this company that actually is really cool and sets them apart from other landscaping companies and makes them more money and that actually is exciting to me like and i don't know if that maybe that comes with age and that perspective happens over time but uh i think it's actually more fun sometimes to take something that is intrinsically uncool or uninteresting and try and make it cool and interesting. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and too, like, that's it's, you know, it's other... easy to, to do, to do artwork for a cool band is actually kind of easy. Like, yeah, 
<clears throat> you know? Yeah, no, for sure. That's, that's, a that's actually a great example. Yeah. When a, yeah, a lawn care company comes to you, you're like, well, shit, I'm used to doing Filson REI. What am I going to do with this? And yeah, right. that's a good, you know, I mean, in a, at the end of the day, that's your, uh, job and passion anyway, is to take something and make it appealing. Uh, exactly. Yeah. What, um, so we're at in that timeline because you're a drummer and you, um, so you were in a band, The Weather, which was yeah. another band bef- before that, or was it they a different band called, you were in? Uh, they were called Campfire OK previously. Okay, um, and that was all the same came dudes out of mostly? <clears throat> For the most part. We, we, had, we had a couple of member switches, and I actually joined Campfire OK. That was where I started with them, and then it's kind of a long story. They kind of yeah. came out of... A few years ago, there was that folk explosion that kind of happened in Seattle with Head in the Heart and, you know, Damon Gerardo's second coming and, oh, gotcha. um, and uh, you know, Bazan kind of ending Pedro and going to his thing. All those kind of bands grew out of this one bar in Seattle um, <clears throat> that did these like open mics. And there were, there were other artists that came out of that have since, you know, changed or gone on to do other stuff. But um Campfire OK was kind of in that scene, and they they always had a bend toward a more rock or psychedelic perspective, like in music. And that that kind of they were always my favorite from that era because, <clears throat> as somebody who liked indie rock, really the only bands from that era that that were still playing was were Minus the Bear and Death Cab. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So I didn't wow, have yeah. a lot of there were like no options for local sh- like rock shows for me. That just didn't happen. So um, seeing Camp for OK was cool. I got to know the singer pretty well. Um, ended up doing a package, one of their packages for the record. Then their drummer, it didn't work out with their drummer. He asked me to play. We played some shows as Camp for OK. He and I started like kind of writing on the side in the practice space. And these songs that we were writing didn't sound anything like Camp for OK because that's not where I, you know, I, that's not what I do. Um, and we just decided, you know, we're going to make this record, but we can't call it. It'd be unfair to call it a Campfire OK record because <laughs> it doesn't sound anything like that. So while we were in the studio, um, we changed the name and we had a couple member changes and it became the weather. And we're actually still still going. We're we're pre-mixing on a, another record right now. Oh, wow. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure where that, um, where that stood because it had been a... Oh wait, did you? Uh, I mean, we was there we a don't single play out this either. year? Uh, last year there was, yeah. Or was it last year? Um, okay. uh, but we don't play shows or anything. It's it's definitely a for fun. We like we get we get a lot of placements, like film and TV placements. Gotcha. Um, so that kind of pays for us to keep recording stuff. So we you know we get enough money to do a couple of days of drums with a producer, and then we record everything else in the box, and then pay to have somebody cool mix it and yeah then we, every couple of years we just kind of do an ep or a full length um, oh, that's, that's cool. but from that i mean i've always kind of played drums and been in and out of bands but that was sort of my first like we're actually going to give it a shot and, and i had played with other people previously ivan and alyosha and i've done some you know stuff for dustin kensrew and uh, gotcha. we the weather had was managed by kyle um griner you know yeah, uh, yeah 
For those uh, that don't, that's managed, the uh, he managed uh, Amber Lynn, still does for Copeland. throughout their career. Copeland, yeah, uh, yeah. Run River. North, um, yeah. So he managed he managed Campfire OK, and then when we became the weather, obviously he managed the weather. Uh, and our bass player, the weather's bass player, passed away. Um, yeah, and right. we kind of went on hiatus after that because we were like, well, you know, what do you do? We, yeah. We're not going to get another bass player. Um, and Kyle, you know, through, you know, Copeland had gotten back together. Uh, John wasn't interested in doing the touring or anything continuing. Uh, so he, Kyle and, you know, hit up Aaron and I think Nate from Amberlynn also like put a bug in Aaron's ear and they hired me to take over for John. So, nice. um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where, I mean, it was literally, I had met, I had met them obviously because they were on tooth and nail, but we, had, I, I didn't know any of those guys by any means. And literally the first time I met Steven and Brian was at the first practice. <laughs> it was oh, very, wow. okay. it was, oh yeah. It was, yeah. it was very much like thrown into the fire kind of thing. It was not, Okay. So we had, I had no repertoire with them at all. I mean, yeah, I was going to ask. Had, I'm surprised because I just assumed you were kind of buds from, no, I don't know, no, like them being friends with our friends, et cetera, or maybe working no. on a record. That's, that's wild. No, I never did any of their artwork. I think Ryan did all the stuff that was on Tooth and Nail. And I, yeah. what happened was, I mean, the weather had played, they, Copeland had done that, the, the Paramore run was the first, was kind of the reunion okay, tour. Okay. And they yeah. were doing these, they that's were doing right. these side yeah. shows filling in on cities that Paramore hadn't booked in Seattle was one of them. And they just did local openers because they were like one-off shows. And Kyle kind of was picking those openers and he picked us obviously, because we were his band in Seattle and we kind of briefly met. Yeah. Like it wasn't, we didn't, you know, I mean, you know how shows are. Yeah, like we, yeah. You're not we really all intermingling if you're not, no, not no. friends totally. Yeah. And, and you know, we were loading in while they were sound checking, we gave them a wave. And then after the show it was like, Hey, it's cool. You know, I mean, I Aaron Ford was from Trail of Dead was playing drums for them on that tour, and I we had I maybe kind of known Aaron or we had met in the past. Or we I ended up standing outside and talking to him for three or four hours, and I did not see the Lawrensons at all, other than for the show. Oh, so it was yeah, like we yeah, had yeah. we had literally never met, um, and I just like flew down to Florida and they picked me up at the airport and I was like, oh hey, I guess I'm in your band now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to know each other over time i suppose that's, that's incredible yeah so yeah so you played for that the recent basically the recent uh iteration since they came back from the hiatus uh yeah it's or, been, or it's, been this, was. it's been five years which i cannot i cannot Dang. believe yeah it does not seem like it's that long that's, no wild that's crazy um yeah that's cool so uh, you know, they're chilling, you're, you're off, you're doing your thing. Um, you've also, you've also had the hand in a lot with King State, which is, yep. uh, our friends, Tim from Under Oath and Nate from Amber Lynn, uh, started a coffee company, uh, just roasting beans. And now they've actually got a full on bar restaurant, uh, their own beer, coffee, obviously everything. But they tapped you for uh, like interior design to basically yeah. do that layout. Yeah, yeah. Was that your first uh, first stab at at that, or have you done that around? Sort of. I, when town? I was when I was in house at Filson, 
uh, for a year or two, you know, we did stores there and I was, I did obviously it's a huge team. I didn't do any of those stores on, you know, at all, yeah. but I was in those meetings and kind of saw how it was done and worked on some pieces here and there, some wall graphics and stuff. And, you know, kind of going back to what I'm saying about how people that grew up, like we grew up, it, eventually start companies or, or end yeah. up working at big companies. It's the same story with Nate and Tim. It's like, though they were both clients, uh, Ironically, they were both when I was working on stuff. They were both the point men for aesthetics for both of their bands. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because so, when I did merch for Amberlynn, it was Nate and I who would pick designs, colorways, yeah. items. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Tim was the same with with Under Oath. He was always the guy I worked with on the packaging stuff. And so it just kind of made sense. They had had somebody else work on the, the King State branding um, at first, and they weren't really stoked on it. So we redid it, and then when it came time for the bar it just kind of made sense because I had never done any of the, anything at that scale and neither had they. So it was like, well, we're yeah. just going to learn together. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it was my first like full project and it's actually still ongoing. I mean, we change shit in there all the time because we're still, you know, we, we did some stuff that was like, after you get people in there and service starts and it gets confusing, you're like, well, we can't have that there because people need to get through this. So mm. we're learning, we're learning kind of the ins and outs of the actual service part of it. Um, yeah. As it goes. Yeah. Uh, which is fun. It's like, I can't think of a better scenario to learn on the job than, than that. <laughs> than that with some friends. There's like zero. Yeah. There's zero, zero uh, chance for actual like failure and fallout, but because we are, everybody's in the same boat. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. It's, I mean, that place is, uh, incredible. Uh, I mean the whole team, your work, their work. I mean, if I lived in Tampa, I would, I would be there, uh, probably three quarters of the week chilling. Uh, Thanks, it's just man. Such, I agree. Such, I'm, such I'm, a good vibe. Um, I'm in the same, but I mean, we don't even have anything like that really in Seattle, which is, yeah, was kind of the point. I mean, we were trying to, we were trying to bring, kind of the dream scenario to Tampa, which doesn't yeah, have yeah. anything really. Well, uh, and you also have, so. you know, a huge appreciation for a lot of like furniture design and I'm sure yeah, that was yeah. part of it. And that's like another thing that's just kind of like wrapped into um, you and your aesthetic and, and all the stuff that you're into, um, which is killer. Um, I mean that real quick, like where did that kind of come into play even? now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, I mean, to me, it's all design, like an art, yeah. like everything's kind of intermingled and intermixed. And um, if it's, if it's kind of a visual medium, I'm, I'm somewhat interested in it, at least from a, from a spectator point of view, but I'm also like involved with all of that stuff. So even with photography and artwork, I had, I developed an appreciation for that stuff working on album packaging because those are both big parts of album packaging. It's like yeah. if a band wants to do a painting on a cover i have to know what the hell i'm talking about when i'm picking up a, a painting you know yeah, or oh, yeah. you know photography if i'm working for with a photographer and it's my art direction i have to be able to communicate with them and know what's good and what's not good so it's like you know i need this this thing here made of this material with this happening with the model and this kind of light like i have to know all that stuff and i think just you know you coming from the south i'm sure you can appreciate although you had access to museums and stuff in Atlanta. I didn't have that. Oh in, yeah, that's right. In yeah. West Virginia. I mean, I had no, I had zero aesthetic culture. Like there was no, <laughs> it was like, there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, 
there is now, ironically, but <clears throat> at the time I didn't have any of that stuff. So the internet really, it's like, I would go in these bins where I would just go through Tumblr and like these websites where people were putting up images and was just learning like boatloads of stuff still. Like, yeah, still yeah. am like buying books and kind of just ingesting all of this stuff. And through that, the furniture, I, you know, there's this whole side of design where architecture and furniture is like this, the thing. And I, so I just would, I just ingest like tons and tons of that information. Um, and my appreciation for it kind of grew out of that. And to the point where now it's like, just like, I don't have problems paying 400 bucks for a record. If it's something that I really want, you know, buying a chair that's $750 doesn't really shock me <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anymore, yeah. which is, I think that's the, you know, I, I don't know if, do you know Casey Weisenbaker? He lives uh, yeah. Yeah. We've met there. a few times and a lot yeah. of my friends are friends with him, but I've just never like, yeah, hung yeah. out much, but yeah, for sure. He's one of those dudes. Everybody, I feel like everybody knows, yeah. uh, but he, he and I were talking, it's like, we we're both very much like quote unquote collectors. Like I, yeah, you know, it's like, if I find something that I like, I'm going to, I'm going to get it no matter what it costs, which is a dangerous yeah. place to be in. Yeah, but, yeah. but I think that, that some people are just built that way where it's like, I'm just, you know, it's like, I feel like I'm, I'm a, I just walk around with a net behind me and I'm just like picking up all this, <laughs> like you, what, what is actually like literally useless information and, and knowledge and just putting it in this net. No, um, it's going to come in handy but, at some point, obviously. That's why. I mean, yeah, that's the do, thing. It's yeah. like, I, you know, this hours of research on furniture, uh, <laughs> I have no use for it. And then Kingston comes along and here's a use for it. So, yeah, <clears throat> I think that happens just enough that I keep, <laughs> I keep yeah. collecting it, and collecting. It, it and collecting. pays it pays off somewhat in the long run. Yeah, uh, totally. I speak- mean, but that's and that that comes with. It's this I don't mean this to sound as cold as it is, but that that's relationships too, like with people. It's like oh. I'm sure you've I'm sure you've experienced this, but like you know, I get emails from students all the time, like I want to do Almart, I want to do I want to work in apparel and do logos or whatever. It's like how do I do that? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Ninety nine point nine 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 repeating percent of my career and my life experiences has been just because I was in the right place at the right time for some reason. Like it, yeah, it's, it's wild. I that mean, definitely spans all sorts of, uh, careers and fields. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, it's not even, it's not, I wasn't even trying. It was just like, I'm at a party. Uh, I meet this guy who's into demon hunter. We go to a, we go to the show. I meet Greg Lucy. Then my, that, that sets up my, it's just like, for some yeah. reason, I've just been Dang. drugged through this. Like, there's like an obvious, like, well, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. When I look back at that stuff, I can see, I can draw a straight line through, <laughs> through like who, who introduced me to who, and then what, you know, playing yeah. in Copeland, I joined Campfire OK, which is managed by the manager that I've worked with over and over and over. It's just like, yeah, everything is sort of just because I was in the way of it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and going back to the to the museum thing um, and the art appreciation, so you've got a new a new project. Uh, talk about for a second, talk about flat file. Uh, well, we did have we got busted yesterday. Oh um, no. Oh never. So it's it's all shut. Oh, it's no. all shut. No, no, it's cool. We, we you know, I yeah. No, no, it's fine. Um, 
we again one of those things where i was just kind of in the way yeah you know i worked with you and i both know sang and he yeah. worked with Amber Lynn and um he introduced me to tepe from thrice who then introduced me to andrew from this brand 316 and we've become friends and this guy wes that works with him they kind of we had got chatted back and forth about this idea where we were like you know i mean you're you're a merch guy you you know there's like the merch culture has like exploded in the past couple of years where it's like oh, yeah. restaurants now have like killer merch for some reason yep. it's just like <laughs> this is just you know it's just it's just yeah. one of those things so we were like how come you know we love going to museums and art galleries that's a huge part of my life it's like the biggest one of the biggest things i miss because of covid what what would it look like if like restaurants and or if look like if art museums and art galleries had sick merch so we were like well this is kind of what we would do so our the idea was to go back through art history and find these like really influential galleries that were open in the 40s 50s 60s find the posters that they would do for you know this newest release was like jackson pollock and matisse and a few yeah. others and we would we'll find those posters and we deconstruct the poster and we turn it into a t-shirt um so like we did one you know the first release we did in a gucci one that was from like a specific museum show and i like tracked down the pieces that he showed in that show and like we put them on a shirt anyway it's definitely bootlegging like yeah. we're we're in, there's not not licensed at all so. yeah um and we got through two releases and we started getting press about it uh, new york times magazine did a piece about it and then oh, no, that that's website, like the blessing in the curse i <clears throat> know uh, that's yeah. what we were saying it's like you're we, the reason we got caught so yesterday we got an email from this rights management company that manages the rights for some of these artists saying you know they want to see our accounting and a cease and desist and all this stuff and in it they linked to we were featured in that website gear patrol um yeah and they linked to that article and i was like see that's the thing is like press you sell more shirts but then also you open you open up to all kinds of scrutiny because bootlegging is to me in my opinion is a is a very important part of culture i mean that's what that's what punk rock is like you know yeah. bootlegging like repurposing old stuff so I think it's an important part of culture, but it is it is a dangerous thing. Like it's to me, yeah. bootlegging isn't isn't copyright infringement. It's fair use, but some legal people don't see it that way. Um, yeah. And we're so we're trying to figure out what to do. We'd like to keep going somehow, but we don't have the money to pay for the rights. So we're like, well, can we fight it? Can we look at it from a fair use perspective? So we we have emails out to lawyers and stuff, but we don't. You know, who knows? We're, it's probably yeah, yeah. none of us have the none of us have the money to pay for the litigation. So more than no. likely, it's done. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's and it's tough because, like you said, it's kind of part of like a a punk history. But then at the same time, you know, me doing merch for bands and being on, uh, you know, bigger tours, especially when it gets to more like arena size. And you got everybody out on the street selling them to people right, coming right, in. Right. Then that's taken away from artist right. merch, and people yeah, nobody really knows better. They just assume it, or they don't really care, and they don't think that far. It's hard to go, justify a forty-five dollar Radiohead shirt when there's one for five bucks outside. Yeah, it, yeah exactly, exactly. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's it's gonna so, fall apart I, in two washes, but you got it. Um, right, right. And I <laughs> and I get that, but it's to me, it's yeah. also I look at it. I think the Grateful Dead in the past couple years is a great example that's a band that everybody and their brother does grateful dead shirts and they don't give a shit. They don't care. It's like, 
Well, that's so what I me, was wondering if if certain bands don't care because I've got friends that are huge into all the Oasis bootlegs, and I'm like, you would think right. for sure oh, yeah. they would be the ones coming after people. Yeah, I don't think I don't they think just don't care apparently. I think some I think well that was my thing is like we, we were very careful with Flatpile. We only did artists that were dead. Yeah. Um, we didn't do anybody that's still working. And to me, it's like, you know, if I'm looking at it going like I did this Jackson Pollock shirt about a show that he had in 1958 and to me the pollock foundation would look at that and go thank god somebody's still interested in this yeah not yeah true not we will not we want 25 percent of that 35 dollar t-shirt like that just seems insane to me like that's the opposite of like there there is a line of, where it's of like keeping it alive you know, yeah right like oasis is a great example i don't think oasis gives a shit or the grateful dead because they're not bands anymore like like who can, like it's keeping the name alive. That's great for them. Like if they were still playing, like you're saying, if they were still doing arena shows, we were selling outside. That sucks. But yeah. if they're not playing shows anymore and they're not making merch, what do they care? Like there's nobody cares. Yeah. It's like unless you're like the misfits where you're making ass loads of money hand over fist off that stupid skull. Yeah. Like like Fugazi is a great example. Like they don't make merch. Minor Threat didn't really make any merch. Black Flag didn't really make any merch. It's like like they, those, there are people boot like that shit all the time. They don't, they don't care. It's not like, yeah. just it seems like it's like one of those things. It's like a really important part of culture to me. Like people DIY it, and like we weren't. It's like flat file didn't exist to make money. Like we, we actually didn't make any money. Every dollar we made from release one, we put into release two. And I was like, oh, we made more money off release one. So let's. Let's do more colored prints. We can now afford to do like nicer T-shirts. Like we wasn't like yeah, it's all always going to kind of be rolled into like the next thing. Yeah, we didn't. I none of us, literally none of us, made a single dollar. It wasn't. We did it all for free. It was just a fun thing to do. And to me, I, I like if I was an artist, I would look at that and go like, you know, that's pretty cool. Like if I was, if I was the grandson of Donald Judd. And somebody was really still interested in my my granddad's work, and they were making cool stuff. They're not like defaming him in any way. I'd be like, I, I'd back it. I'd support it. But yeah. I understand like everybody's got to get theirs. It's a weird time. Nobody's making money. Like <clears throat> all that yeah. to say, I have a lot of opinions about that kind of stuff. I could go all day on it. But oh, yeah, um, yeah, it was just a fun project that a couple pals did. We, we, we never meant for it to be serious or anything. So yeah, yeah. Dang, do you uh, do you have any? What are your favorite records so far of the year? Are any of them pretty good contenders? Oh man, let me. Uh, yeah, I have a running list. Because you always you have a good. Through. I need to start making a list for for this year. I feel like I don't have too many, but yeah, I love when you send me things, even if it's a record from like five years ago. But you're totally, always on, yeah, yeah. on point, and we kind of have some of the same same interests. Um, um, I love that that perfume genius record is cool. Nice. Um, there's a band called Porches that I had never really heard of uh, that put a record out this year that's super cool so far. Um, I think that Fanagram record is is really cool. I think that was a sleeper. I don't think a lot of people paid attention, but oh, true. Yeah, um, I think that was cool. Um, hopefully, that Killers record comes out before oh, wow. yeah. 2021. <laughs> Those singles I think are cool. Um, Man, that Dangerous Summer single's rad. Dangerous Single uh, Summer's rad. That Hum record is cool. Oh, uh, dude, the Hum record. Sweet is. to yeah, it's so sick. It's cool yeah. to see. We were Nate, Nate and I. 
Nate Young and I were talking literally yesterday. We were like, all these bands that got back together made, some of them made bad records, some of them, like that, the failure, or not failure, the Quicksand record was just a bummer. Like, oh, okay, yeah. It just wasn't, it was like, all the bands that are ripping Quicksand are making better Quicksand records. Is weird. But there's, <laughs> yeah. but then you have some bands, it's like, some bands that the, the, the records that they make after they come back are fine. They're not like killer, but they're not bad. And yeah. then Hum comes out of nowhere, surprises everybody, and just like shows everybody how it's done. It's like they never stop playing. It's it's yeah. so good. Like next level good. It's it's um, it's really wild. Uh, I haven't I haven't dove into that the new My Morning Jacket that came out Friday, the Waterfall too. But I love that band, and I need to I need to give it a give it a good spin. Yeah. Um, that, have you heard? I probably haven't. I, I it's really hard to find, but I heard a single that's been coast to coast. They're like a British, just pop punk emo band. But for some reason, like every genre of music with a Brit singer just sounds more interesting. Yeah. And if oh, it was like sure. a, if it was a, if it was a crappy band from the Midwest with some like, nineteen year old singer, I wouldn't care. But for some reason, it's so good because the singer is British. What's, what's the name? Um, of it? The band's called Coast to Coast, and it's okay. a, an EP called The World Doesn't Work, and or The Work Doesn't Work? The World Doesn't Work, uh, and it's very good. Okay, it's yeah, a, I see it right here, so yeah. I'll, it's I'll a cool-ass listen. Uh, um, yeah, I'm, a, I mean, I'm always, I'm always listening to stuff. I'm, I'm stoked for the new Washed Out, the singles that so far have been cool. Yeah. Um, that Have you heard End, Heavy Band? They might be British, too. No, I definitely need um, to look it up. It's on Closed Casket, that label. Um, okay. Splinters from an ever-changing face. It's really heavy. It's kind of like, uh, you ever get into Advent? Yeah, yeah. Joe's, yeah, Joe from it's, Beloved's it's, Band. It's, yeah. yeah, it's kind of that world. Like, it's, you're kind of okay. like, is it metal? Is it hardcore? I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice. It's cool. There, I mean, there's tons of stuff, man. I mean, the Heim record's cool. The new yeah. Owen's cool. I yeah, love the, the, yeah, the Owen Wind, uh, Bob Nana from Braid just dropped a solo on Friday. That's out. Uh, I've I, haven't, been... I haven't heard that yet. The singer from Interpol has a new band called Muzz, like M-U-Z-Z. Okay. And it sounds like Interpol, and they put a record out Friday, and it's really good. It's like scratching that Interpol itch. All right, nice. Yeah, I've been doing that that uh, RTJ4 a lot because I bike That's everywhere cool. around here, so I just put that on my speaker. That new Run the Jewels is, is dope. Yeah. I, I got super into super into SoundCloud rap for some reason, which I know it's not for me. It's it's for like sixteen yeah. year olds. But for some reason to me, and you maybe this won't resonate with you, it it feels like the new punk to me. Like the way they're oh, doing it. Uh, yeah. They're doing it in their bedroom. They're putting it out on SoundCloud. It's all almost all of it's free. Like it just kind of feels like it's it's like the ultimate fuck you because I mean hip hop's like the biggest thing ever and the yeah. the music industry is run by hip hop and hip hop leaning pop yeah. and SoundCloud rap to me is just like fuck you like I I don't know it's just some and some of it's horrible like yeah but there's some you know I like like Suicide Boys is cool like a lot of that stuff is super heavy and interesting that that dude from Florida Ghost Man who's like a old hardcore dude but he, he's like it's like hip-hop but he's like screaming okay so it's just yeah like, no that's a good point i don't think i'd thought about that but yeah that makes total it gets sense. in a nine inch nails territory sometimes like randomly wow. it's just like i think some of that stuff is really interesting it's i definitely am viewing it from like a from a sociological standpoint i'm not listening to it 
because it's all of it's sick. I just think it's really yeah. it's an interesting thing that's happening. Yeah. No, that's no, that's um, real good. I mean, I always like your also your your take on uh, on music because I know like we've talked before. Uh, you know, it's easy to to shit on all the um, all the like the radio rock and crap from yeah, late nineties, yeah, yeah. early two thousands, and that's just kind of like the normal thing. And then, um, but then occasionally, like you'll post stuff of some old shit. It'll be I don't know. It could be fuel shimmer. It could be something that we all want to make fun of. And you're just like, yo, I'm ripping this today, and it's sick. And you're like, no, yeah, dude, that's I've, right. Nobody like, wants to really say it, but it's so. I'm I'm, true. I'm not. I'm I'm not doing it. I'm not saying this. I mean, I've told you this. I'm not saying it uh, ironically at all. Yeah. Nickel, Nickelback is not a good band. Yeah. But those songs fucking slay. Like, <laughs> yes. it's, you know what it is? It's at some point, like we grew up, it's like the stuff we grew up with, like you're talking about, um, like the anniversary and stuff, like Bright Eyes. The reason that we yeah. like those records is because the, sonically it sounded like what we liked, but it's because they had choruses. That's why those bands got huge. It's like it was it was sing alongable like and nobody makes music like that anymore. Even hip hop. It's like there aren't choruses. It's all about a vibe like oh, oh, there's exactly. no Drake chorus. You know what I mean? And when I listen to like even pop country like radio country that some of it I'm like, dude, these choruses slap like this. Mm-hmm. This is like earworm shit. It like gets in your head and you can't get it out. And if you you know, I think Josh Tillman even was like, if you think Nickelback doesn't know how to write songs you're out of your mind like yeah yeah it's they the do it's why you're stuck in your head you just right it's, just, the it's easy like route. to me to me it there's no difference between like the nickelback formula and the goo goo dolls formula yeah. like the goo goo dolls are a, are a cooler band like sonically i like that style more mm-hmm. but they're they're approaching it from the same way it's not like you know they're they're going into it going like how can we make the most memorable song possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like there's there's a reason why that stuff's huge. Like, oh yeah, it, and, it isn't. And 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 obviously, you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent. I don't think taste is subjective at all. Like, I think there's, I think there's a there is good and bad. No no doubt, it's black and white. However, I think because I feel like I know that and I can tell the difference between what's good and bad, I'm allowed to like some bad shit because I know it's bad. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not. I'm not in. I'm not like telling you that I think Nickelback is cool. They are not cool. But, yeah. No. But I'm saying the reason, the reason I think it's worth examining is because they're they they could teach bands that are trying to to make rock records. They could teach them a thing or two. It's like you yeah. can listen to that stuff and go in there and be like, oh, so you know, doing a hit hitting the chorus like three minutes in is you know. It's yeah, perfect. you know, it's like, I, yeah, I think you know, one of my favorite bands in the past couple of years is Kings of Leon for that reason. It's like that's, yeah. it's the music is pretty cool, but then also, it's it's really well crafted. Like it's yeah. just, I, I think we've just kind of lost like, get up kids and those bands didn't sit in their practice space and think like, we want to have this sound but not have it be good. Like that's no one said that. Like. Yeah. That's, I think it's funny when bands, bands, go into, bands go in the studio and they're like, we're making a hardcore record. We want it to sound like Minor Threat. Minor Threat didn't go in and to the studio and say, we want this to sound horrible. They were doing the best thing they could possibly do yeah. for the money that they had. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, if, they came out, if, if they came out now, it would sound 
better. Like, I just think it's funny when people are like, we're making a metal record. We want the kick to sound like Pantera. It's like the Pantera kick objectively sounds bad. They only did that because that's all that they had access to. You know, it's just like, yeah, so true. Wow. I just think it's funny. Oh, I like yeah. listening to all kinds of different stuff because I think there's something to be gleaned from really any, any of that stuff. It's like, if you're a SoundCloud rapper and you're not listening to Justin Bieber for like beat, beat and production ideas, you're crazy. Like, yeah, there's something to be gleaned from all of that stuff. I mean, who knows how many of the bands that we liked that were just trying to be, you know, it's like I've talked to Aaron from Copeland many times about how the first Copeland record, he was like, he was just really listening to a lot of Gen Blossoms. And then oh, once wow. you know that inform, once you yeah. know that information, you go back and listen to the first Copeland record, you're like, oh, I totally can see, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, a lot of people would be surprised if they heard who like their favorite indie bands were listening to in oh for sure you know two two thousand uh for yeah i remember reading you know for further the two couple of the dudes from further things forever really only listened to guitar jazz and then you're like well that's how they make that's how they make that music is because they have that influence it's like yeah. there's a reason why those like you listen to this and you're like no one sounds like this band like listen to those guitars it's because they're not playing punk they're playing guitar jazz and the yeah. drummer's just hitting hard. Like that's, yeah, you know, that's, yeah, that's incredible. I think it's, it's important to like expand your horizons and li- I mean, don't listen to me. I'm full of shit, but I'm yeah, just telling no. you, no, you're not at all. Like, and also <clears throat> even what, what other bands listen to. Like, I think a lot of uh, fans are super uh, surprised. Like I would talk to fans at merch Taylor or whatever, but like, and, and it also, it's just funny. It's, it's normal now, but I remember back in the day when I started realizing that, you know, dudes in hardcore and metal bands half the time didn't even listen to metal. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and that's just kind I mean, of a normal thing now, but then you're just like, oh, that's that's true. Or it's, you know, yeah, our friends listen to tons of hip-hop, but they're in right. a heavy band, and that's just... Right. You know, I mean, I don't know how... If you're touring, like, I love metal as much as the next guy, but it is a brutal genre and people that just only listen to that all the time yeah. it's like that's you're not you're not developing your brain dude it's like yeah like if you're on tour playing that shit every night i'm i guarantee you the last thing you want to do is throw on a heavy record when you're in the in the bunk when you're on the van after like, the show the hotel yeah. yeah it's like oh get out of here i want to put on some yeah. sade or something yeah. <laughs> exactly like, smooth yeah. it out yeah smooth it out hell hell yes what a yeah! I say we leave it there with Sade. If I could afford it, it could be an outro, but I'm not. Uh, yo, Jordan, thanks so much for uh, thanks so much for chatting, bud. Yeah, dude. Uh, thanks for well, letting me ramble for an hour. Dude, of course, I've enjoyed it. These I kind of wanted these to, days, there's not, to hang there's not a lot and of chat with you. Happening. Oh yeah, no, that's that's kind of a, a a brutal part right now too for the COVID thing. Is yeah, everybody's just just inside. Um, yeah, going to a bar, bar and drinking six or eight beers and uh, waxing about music for four hours doesn't happen anymore. It's not not, not going to happen for a little bit. So my my girlfriend certainly isn't listening to my opinions on the new home record. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah, it was a joy uh, talking to you, man. Till we till we you hang too, again man. next time, somewhere around yeah. the country. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, dude. Take care, man. Have a good day. <laughs> we'll Thanks see. for joining. You too, dude. All right, All right man. Bud. Bye.
Thanks so much for listening. Thank you to Jordan for chatting with me today. His design office is called Studio Workhorse. You can find that on Instagram under that handle. Music is provided by Christopher Watala. This episode is produced by Eric Linder. Hit up a friend today and let him know that you love them, that you're thinking about them in whatever way you do that. Till next time.